Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. November the 1st, 2016, and welcome to episode 241 of the Mothership Broadcast of the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoot.com. It is, of course, the one and the only WWS Revolution. I am, of course, Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw back on the line here with you, as, of course, we have a lot to cover here this evening, and I'm gonna waste any t- we won't waste any time in getting bored here, but, of course, I will go and let you know tonight, of course, our wrestling news and views. We brought to you by, of course, our our premier news tag team, King Ice, in the form of, of course, the Iceman himself, J.D., Jared DiGirolamo, of course, J.D., of course, part of Raw Radio, and all of our other shows here in the radio network, <clears throat> and, of course, our wrestling history and birthdays brought to us on the chat box here by the human suplex machine, John Gross, the first 2016 WWS Hall of Famer, and also part of uh, Raw Radio as well. And also tonight we'll be giving you our uh, <clears throat> thoughts and opinions on both uh, this past Sunday's Hell on the Cell pay-per-view, as well as last night's WWE Raw uh, broadcast from last night. <clears throat> and then, of course, uh, some general wrestling discussion. Uh, of course, also, we will definitely, if some the time allotted, a few little pieces of uh, <clears throat> wrestling extras, as we always call it here. Uh, of course, uh, first off, I will welcome J.D. and John to episode 241. I will to be a very exciting and explosive revolution. 
Starting off in November, we were a month, well, a month away from ending 2016, so saddle in for a good night of action. You got that right indeed, and of course, if you want to chime in with the rest of us here, we'll hopefully we'll have some more folks popping on here to give us, to give us a, uh, of course, they had to definitely give their takes on everything here going on here tonight, and of course, in the, in the world of wrestling news, wrestling history, and and their thoughts on the results of Hell in a Cell and last night's Raw and everything else in between. Uh, please feel free to give us a call right here. Of course, phone number, as always, for all of our shows on the radio network, it is 1-724-444-7444. That call ID, the magic six numbers, one three eight zero five five pound And press that 1 if you want to chime in with any of us <clears throat> uh, what, during our big-time broadcast here this evening of number 241 of Revolution. Let's not waste any time, ladies and gentlemen. Let's dive right on into the rest of the news and view statement. Of course, like I said, uh, <clears throat> getting the, the, the groove going here, of course, for King Ice is, of course, the Iceman himself, J.D. Jared DiGirolamo. J.D., go ahead and see what we got going on in the rest of the news scene today. All right. First off, however, Ken Anderson spoke with the Wrestling Inc. for a new interview for his and Sean Devar's new wrestling school, the Academy, which opened earlier today. Some of the highlights are listed as below. On um, being the original choice to betray Vince McMahon's son before Hornswoggle got it, Anderson said, I was told about the angle and I had conversations with Stephanie and Vince and it was kind of like a big deal. I remember the night that Vince blew himself up on the limo. Steph said, hey, I want to tell you something. We've got something really big for you, but I want Vince to tell you himself, however. She was pretty excited about that, so we did the build-up for the next few weeks with her, and then I got in trouble and that all went away, however, my on uh, getting Molly Holly on board for the Academy, here's what he had to say. We were always friends, and then when we got to WWE, he told me he'd become really good friends with Molly Holly, Nora, Molly Holly, and she happened to live in Minneapolis. And I got to know her through Sean a little bit. But I never really spent a great deal of time around her, but he became really, really close with her, and those two are thick as thieves. But I will tell you this. She's such a nice person. I really try to be a good human being. I try to learn from my mistakes, and I try to recognize that I'm flawed. I do make mistakes from time to time, and I try to do good things for good people or just for everybody. Nora makes me feel like a scumbag being around her because she's so freaking nice. It's crazy. So, yeah, those two really became good friends. They've always kept in contact. And when we started talking about it, hey, who are we going to have with us? That was the first name that he brought up, and he asked her. And I think she was a little tentative about it at first. She's re- really one of those people that got out of the business, and she was done with the business. Not still. I have a retirement match and come back a year later and have a retirement match. And then she just walked away gracefully, and that was it. But Sean then talked her into it, and then we brought her in into an indie show. And it was just to sort of advertise a little for our school and see some of our prospective students. And then when she was there, she saw the show, and she fell in love with it again and said, okay, we have to do this. So it looks like all three of them are running together, maybe possibly as trainers and heading up the organization. Meanwhile, Monday Night Raw on Halloween Night Hour was not very uh, spectacular, shall we say, as they did a 1.88 rating last night, however. This comes off the 2.0 rating they did last week, however, in Brock's hometown of Minneapolis. And speaking of which, uh, also, ladies and gentlemen, however, we'll talk more about Raw here in just a little bit, however, the Spirit Squad, who we've been seeing off and on for the last few little while, however, might be getting back to becoming a regular... uh, uh, superstars with the WWE yet again. According to reports through Jeremy Thomas and 411 Mania, however, PW Insider reports that Kenny and Mikey might become a regular fixture in WWE TV again. The site notes that there has been some discussion about giving them another shot after their storyline with The Miz is done. 
As of now, they are not signed to the company and still taking indie bookings to Bill Barron's. The site has also noted that despite Ken Doan's long-standing issues with John Cena are not an issue currently, the problem stemmed from Doan's claims that during the previous brand split is because Mickey James cheated on him with John Cena. Doan had said that he was demoted and moved to SmackDown to keep Cena happy and then was eventually let go. Now, according to a new uh, site, Wrestling Inc., however, Doan and Cena are in two different worlds backstage, and thus there have been no issues as of now. Um, any other news we can find out? I don't think we have anything else to report for right now, but if we hear anything, we'll let you know. Oh, thank you very much, sir. J.G., of course, J.G., along with T.S. to R.T. Smith. It's a nice and premier WWS News tag team to bring you all the news. That is fit to print, and of course, if it doesn't fit, they always find a way to make it fit. And of course, you know, Gerard always finds the best way to make it fit, which of course always is the old-fashioned way of hammer and nails and glue, and of course, the old-fashioned method, duct tape. Indeed, indeed. Now, so let's see what we have. Let's see what the Human Super Machine John Gross has in terms of <clears throat> wrestling history and birthdays for today, November the 1st. And he has a pretty good amount here uh, for the very first day in November. Let's see what we have on tap here. Uh, on this day here, 67 years ago, that would put it at about, uh, uh, let me see. Uh, mm, 67, you said? 67 years ago. I think that's, let me think, if I do my math correctly, I think it's five, 1948, I think it is, I'm not sure. 40, probably 49, I think. 49, 49, okay, okay 1949, okay. But of course, I'm thinking that, but thinking that, yeah, I mean, a little bit better than I would but anyway, this, this is this is all timey situation. Sixty-seven years ago, today, nineteen forty-nine, NWA World Heavyweight Champion Orville Brown is injured in an automobile accident. The injury canceled an upcoming uh, title unification match between Brown and Luthez. Brown is forced to retire the championship, <clears throat> and the, um, the, the National Wrestling uh, Alliance Championship to uh, the, the, the to uh, Luthez. Thez went on to unify uh, many world championships of various wrestling territories over the next three years and finally claiming the undisputed championship in 1952. Mm, okay. Uh, now, this is quite interesting. I, I, I remember, we talk about this wrestling right here off and on. 31 years ago today, 1985, that's this, right? Just days after wrestling Rowdy Rowdy Piper, at a WWF Superstars taping, quick draw, Rick McGraw passed away at the age of 30. Although some speculated the injuries he suffered at the hands of Piper during the TV taping led to his death, that turned out to be false. McGraw was a steroid abuser among co-workers, and although it was never officially proven, the drugs may have led to his sudden death. As I, of course, I, as I mentioned before, uh, of course, it was stated in the first DVD they put out about uh, uh, Randy Savage. I believe Rick McGraw was Randy Savage's first ever opponent. Yes, he was. But if I'm not mistaken, yes. Um, that's the first time I ever heard about Rick McGraw. Uh, first time I ever saw him wrestle, too. Uh, on the stage in 1990 in Tokyo, Japan, Jushin Thunder Liger defeated Pegasus Kid, of course, otherwise known as Chris Benoit, to win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title for the third time. Mm. 
19 years ago, if I put it in 1997, WWF champion Bret Hart signed with WCW. In an interview with TSN's Off the Record a month later, Hart revealed his contract was for $2.5 million a year, up from $1.5 million base annual salary he was getting laid in the WWF run for years, a lighter schedule and reasonable creative control. A confidentiality agreement was made to keep mum of Hart's decision until after Survivor Series in Montreal. But news got out anyway. Excuse me, by the time the show aired on November the 9th, Hart's departure from the company was a hot topic throughout the show and in the weeks thereafter. And even after Brent left the WWF, he, would, he wouldn't appear on WWE right away due to a 30-day no-compete clause. Hart debuted for WCW on December the 15th, two weeks before Starcade 1997. I remember that, yes. So that was the Nitro where he came on there and told Bischoff that don't expect any help from him for that match that he had with Zabisco. I remember that. I was in 1998, ECW presented November to Remember in New Orleans, Louisiana. That same day, WWF taped the debut episode of the short-lived Super Astros from the Frank Irwin Center in Austin, Texas. The show lasted less than a year before being canceled in September of 1999. Never heard of that show. Yeah, it was only in Mexico, I think. Super right. Astros. Yeah, I think it was Is sort it of like a. Pre- I think it was sort of like a prelude to like Jacked and Metal and that sort of thing. Oh, okay. But it was it was filmed in Texas. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still, it's still in Austin, Texas. Okay. Yeah. On a stage in 2004, Robbers this time to recapture the WWE Tag Team Titles over Edge and Benoit. On a stage in 2005, WWE presented the Raw pay-per-view show Taboo Tuesday, but it turned out to be a Raw slash SmackDown show as some of the SmackDown superstars appeared. Rey Mysterio and Matt Hardy defeated Chris Masters and Snitsky in a tag team match with Hardy and Mysterio receiving the highest vote percentage. Mankind made, made his return for one night only by defeating Carlito. Kane, <clears throat> Kane and the Big Show defeated Lance Kane and Trevor Murdoch to win the WWE Tag Team titles. This marked Kane's ninth WWE Tag Team reign and Big Show's third WWE, WWE Tag Team reign. On this date, 10 years ago, WWE releases... Psychosis. And nine years ago, I want to say nine years ago, WWE announced effectively immediately that all violations of the company's wellness policy would be made public. It didn't take long for the addendum to be to be used. Chris Masters was the first man publicly outed under the new rules, and thus he was suspended for two months the next day. Hmm. Eight years ago, on this day, but at 2008, WWE released Brooke Adams. Now, was she? Miss Tessmacher and TNA? Yes. That's what I thought. Okay. Four years ago, they put it at 2012, Brad Armstrong was found dead in his home. I forgot about it. I forgot he passed away. Who is this? Brad Armstrong. Old Brad Armstrong. Yeah. Um... His, his brother was his referee, Scott Armstrong, right? Yeah. Okay. And he's related to the Road Dog, too, and has his brother, too, right? Wait, Brad, uh, Bob, uh, no, Bob Armstrong's still alive. No, 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 I'm saying the road dog is his brother, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying, though. Okay. 
But I, I forgot that Brad had passed away because because Brad was still alive when his father was inducted into the Hall of Fame. I right, that. right, right. And today is the set. Uh, uh, this is this is what I love here. Today is the seventy second birthday of Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yes. He was born in Chicago on November first, nineteen forty four. Always a fan of wrestling, growing up in Chicago and Indianapolis. He had started in the wrestling profession carrying bags and jackets for the wrestlers and sold refreshments at the events. Dropping out of school in the eighth grade to support his mother and grandmother, his first drug in the wrestling business was a heel manager and a wrestler in 1965 when he was known as Pretty Boy Bobby Heenan. His gimmick more or less remained the same. At the times, the heels were often given managers to speak for them in interviews, rile up the crowd during matches, and cheat on their behalf. Heenan went on to manage some of the most successful wrestlers in the world, creating the Heenan family, a stable that a stable that existed in several different incarnations and wrestling promotions for over 20 years. Got that right. He became a regular in the WWA promotion as a wrestler, both as a wrestler and manager in 1967. He managed Angelo Poffo, which I believe that's Macho Man's father, right? Yes. That's what I thought. And also Chris Markoff. I heard him talk about that during his... Uh, Hall of Fame ceremony. I, mean, I heard him mention that person. He managed the Assassins, the Valiant Brothers, and the Blackjacks. He wrestled with a storyline brother, Guy Heenan. He, in 1969, he made appearances in the AWA. In 1974, he left the WWE and attributed his departure from the WWE with Dick the Bruiser over his pay for his participation in the first ever event ever held at Market Square Arena, saying that he never returned to the promotion as a result. He joined the AWA in 1974, announcing himself as the Brain, managing the team of Nick Bockwinkel and Ray Stevens, a dude that became the tag team champions. The AWA was the starting point for Heenan's first Heenan family because this is a Bockwinkel, Stevens, Bobby Duncan Sr., and Black Jack Lanza. In 1975, with Heenan in his corner, Bockwinkel captured his first of several AWA world titles. And in 1976, Lanza and Duncan captured the AWA World Tag Team titles, making him the first manager in history to simultaneously manage a major promotions, singles, and tag team world champions. He didn't left the AWA in 1979, but returned in, but returned in late 1979 and resumed managing Nick Buckwinkle to renew championship success, including against a young up-and-coming challenger named Hulk Hogan in 1983. He managed Ken Patera upon his return to AWA in 1982 and joined up with Adrian Al-Kaisi when Heenan took time off as a result of a serious neck injury. He suffered in a match with Atushi Onita while he wrestled on, on an All-Japan Pro Wrestling Tour in 1983. Towards, toward the end of his time in the AWA, <clears throat> he managed Masa Saito. He came out of in September 1984, during an AWA interview with the Fabulous Ones, and initiated a KFAB brawl in the TV studio with them. Wally Carbo announced that Heenan was suspended from the AWA as a manager and wrestler by AWA President Stanley Blackburn, and in reality, he left the AWA. In 1984, Vince McMahon had lured Heenan away from the AWA. The man, Jesse Ventura, after Ventura developed blood clots in his lungs, he was forced to end his active wrestling career. While most of the AWA talent left for the WWF without giving proper notice, but Ventura unable to wrestle, he became Big John Studs' manager in matches 
first against Hulk Hogan and then in Stud's feud with Andre the Giant. <clears throat> he reformed the Heenan family, which included Stud, Kid Patera, Buddy Rose, King Tom Bundy, Paul Orndorff, Andre the Giant, TV Afi, the Brain Busters, Ravishing Rick Rude, Harley Race, the Islanders, Hercules, the Barbarian, Mr. Perfect, the Red Rooster, and the Brooklyn Brawler. He was always one of the most hated men in the he promotion. the missing link. Who? The missing link. Right. Well, that was, I do remember him, too, yeah. Uh, he, was always, he was always one of the most hated men in the promotion. He had a feud with Andre the Giant while he met, matched Big John Studd and challenged Andre to a $15,000 body slam match against Studd at the first WrestleMania where Andre had to retire from wrestling if he had lost the match. He didn't have matched two, Wrestle, two WrestleMania challenges to Hogan's title, Bundy in 86 and Andre in 87. Of course, I remember that. While Bundy nor Andre would win the title at that time in February of 88, Andre did defeat Hogan to win the WWF Championship in a controversial win after he had lined himself with Ted DiBiase on an episode of, <clears throat> on an episode of, I think it was, um, what did some call it, the main event or Saturday night's main event? That, 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 yeah, it was that, the that, main that, event, something like that. In the main event, yeah. called, yes. Ross claimed he didn't receive a six-figure payoff for his work in promoting the event after being derided by announcers for five years in the WWF for never managing a champion. WrestleMania 5 was promoted as Heenan's Quest, the best chance since WrestleMania 3. Heenan finally managed his first champion in, in the WWF when Rick Rude upset the Ultimate Warrior for the Intercontinental title. Well, actually, what happened was, well, if I'm not mistaken, Heenan held Warrior's foot. Yeah. And that's what caused Rude to win the belt anyway. I remember that. I mean, yeah. yeah. And he led the Brain Busters to the tag team titles. But after they lost the title to Demolition, <clears throat> uh, he led Andre Haku to the tag team titles. That they win the titles of WrestleMania 16 and didn't blame the loss to, loss on he uh, blamed the loss on Andre the Giant. Andre left the Heenan family with Heenan's words: "You listen to me, you go to the top. You don't listen to me, you never heard from him again." I remember him saying that after all that took place. That was bad. A few months later, he led Mr. Perfect to the first of two Intercontinental titles. He did feud with the big boss man when he didn't make it from the big boss man's mother with the with the big boss with the touch of the boss man handcuffing him onto the barricade. He wrestled sporadically in his WWF run. His notable win came at the fourth WrestleMania where he teamed with the Islanders to defeat the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware. He was then forced in a weasel suit by the Ultimate Warrior. He then retired from managing in nineteen ninety one, became a full time broadcast journalist. He crossed the lines to manage it sporadically. <clears throat> when the WWF signed Ric Flair, he had spent several weeks talking Flair up as the real world's champion. He acted as an advisor to Flair during his 91-93 to WWF run and coined the phrase, that's not fair to Flair. He got to be fair to Flair, though he managed Flair. Mr. Perfect, who was forced to retire due to injury, accompanied Flair to ringside as an executive consultant. At the 1993 Royal Rumble, his last act as manager was to introduce Lex Luger to exact revenge on Mr. Perfect. He commentated throughout 1986, replacing Jesse Ventura on Primetime Wrestling and All-American Wrestling teaming up with Gorilla Monsoon. <clears throat> Heenan and Monsoon had a great working partnership on the commentary with Heenan supporting the heel wrestlers and Monsoon saying, will you stop, give me a break, or please? Oh, boy, that was classic. 
That was classic. I remember that. He didn't decide to leave the WWF in 1993, but they gave Heenan a final farewell on Monday Night Raw. Monsoon threw Heenan and his belongings out of the arena and onto the street. After Heenan left the WWF, he went to WCW in 1994 to continue commentary. He became a tweener in the first time in his career in July 1996 after the NWO ruled chaos in the WCW as he became a babyface. He stayed with WCW until his release in November of 2000. He returned to the WWF at WrestleMania 17 to come in Gene Oakland in the gimmick battle royal with the Iron Sheik winning that battle royal. That was awesome, by the way. Three years later, he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, and he also went. And also, he paid a tribute to Gorilla Monsoon, saying that he wished that the that that Gorilla Monsoon was right there with him. That was monumental. I had that Hall of Fame ceremony on DVD, and let me tell you something. I watched that. That brought a little tear to my eye. I saw that. That was bittersweet. Bobby's been married to Cynthia Jean since 1974. And they have a daughter, Jessica, who was born in 1978. Hey, same year as me. He became a grandfather when his grandson, Austin, was born in He was actually very close with his WWE broadcast partner, Gorilla Monsoon, after after Gorilla's death in October of 1999. He and Shivani announced his death, but he didn't give him a goodbye. Because that was on an episode of Monday Nitro, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, it was. I saw that, saw that clip on YouTube. If you had to skip for just one second here while I take a pause, uh, JD, let you go ahead and do so. I will be right back.
Das ist wie Sommet. Oh my god. I'm sorry, I'm laughing right now. I'm watching some old promos that are shaking me and Gene Oakland right now. Anyone there? Sorry about that, guys. I'm, I'm, I had to step away here for just one second. I'm back on. Uh, let's see here. Did you want to make sure you were still there? Did he? Anyway, I'm back here, ladies and gentlemen. 41 of Revolution here. I had to step away for this break up, but I am back right here. <coughs> okay. In January, anyway, talking about here about today is the 72nd birthday of the legendary Hall of Fame manager Bobby the Brain Heaton. Uh, we got a little bit more here to add. 
Uh, in January 2002, he was diagnosed with throat cancer. In December of 2007, he had reconstructive surgery on his jaw. After the first surgery was unsuccessful, he was placed in a medically induced coma and was slowly brought out. In the second half of January 2008, Keenan had come out of his medically induced coma. He was not yet able to speak but was communicating with his eyes. He had several more surgeries to reconstruct facial features. That same year, he was able to speak a few sentences before he gets tired. In February 2009, it was reported that while he was relearning how to speak clearly, he was out of the hospital and planned on attending some Major League Baseball spring training sessions. He accompanied Gene Oakland to the WWE Hall of Fame the day before WrestleMania 25. He was briefly shown on camera during the ceremony. In December 2009, he was hospitalized at the H. Lee Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida, after an exam of his rebuilt jaw found an infection that was treated as a result, he missed his scheduled appearance at the KNS Russell Festival in New Jersey. By 2010, his jaw hat was completely er- erratic. He, uh, he broke a hip and pelvis in 2011, but recovered within a few months. He has been in and out of the hospital many times, but he can't be kept down for long. And John, that's all he's got for the history and birthdays here for today. John, thank you very much, sir, for providing us with the history and birthdays here today. And JD, thank you very much, sir, for providing us with the, with the wrestling news and views for this evening. One seven two four 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 seventy four forty four. Call ID one three eight zero five five pound. You're listening to episode two hundred and forty one of the Mothership Broadcast on the WWS Radio Network, <clears throat> right here on TalkShoe.com. It is, of course, WWS Revolution. I am, of course, Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw, back on the line here with you. Of course, joining me here thus far is the Iceman himself, J.D. Jeremy Geralmo, 2015 Hall of Famer, as well as, of course, part of Raw Radio, and all of our other shows here on TalkShoe.com, as well as, of course, the human suplex machine, John Gross, on the chat box here tonight. Of course, he is the first 2016 WWS Hall of Famer and also part of Raw Radio. All right, gentlemen, let's go ahead and dive right on into our next part here. Uh, as we as we did as we did mention here, um, we did have a big time pay per view here this past Sunday. Of course, Hell in a Cell 2016. Uh, and there was eight big time matches here that took place here. Uh, first off, I will go ahead and mention here that I actually did a poll on on all the uh, about uh, which matches did everyone uh, enjoy seeing this past Sunday, and I do have uh, I can report that uh, actually only two matches were voted on. And I can say that six people said that they, were, they enjoyed seeing the Universal title match, while only four people only enjoyed looking at the women's title match. But they didn't like, but, but apparently nobody didn't like the remainder of the matches <laughs> at the pay-per-view, apparently so. But, uh, but, but the poll's still open there, there, folks, if you still want to take a gander at it and see what, and if you still want to vote on that. So it will always be open if you'd like to take a. Well, let's go ahead and dive right, right on in here. Let's get. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some more folks. Uh, <clears throat> let's hopefully we'll get some more folks right here on. Uh, here to talk about Hell and Cell here, but let's first I'll go ahead and let's, I'll go ahead and start it off here with the Iceman himself, Jared Dijuelmo, JD. Let's see what we have going on here. Your thoughts and opinions, sir, about this past Sunday's Hell in the Cell. Okay. Well. Be ready for a good thing and a mixed thing. Let's just say, <laughs> okay, if you will. Yeah. Okay. 
First off, the Cruiserweight Championship matchup to start out, or excuse me, the Cruiserweight six-man tag to start out the show was pretty good. I mean, I did like Rich Swan, Cedric Alexander, Tony Nese, Drew Gulak, Sin Carr, all those guys. I mean, it was a good way to kick off the show. You needed something fun. You needed to have a little fun with it. And that's where you needed to go. They gave him about 10 minutes, so that was at least decent to start out the show. However, and it definitely gave the crowd something to cheer about to begin the show. As far as the first match out of the night, how are Roman and Rusev given 25 minutes? I mean, it was pretty good. I mean, you've got to admit that both of these guys worked their butts off, however, and they definitely uh, gave the crowd something to be excited about. I mean, 16,119, they said, I think, packed into the TD Garden. And they saw a pretty good opener. Obviously, a lot of people thought a couple times that Rusev was going to pull off the upset and regain the U.S. title. Uh, I'm glad they didn't have Lana interfere whatsoever or stick her nose into it. It was just between two guys who have had a very much dislike for each other as of late, however. And it has been, well... (sighs) Sorry about that. It was a very good opening matchup, let's just say, in more ways than one. Uh, next, you had Bailey and Dana Brooke. It was good to see Bailey get back on top and put Charlotte's little protege in her place. Although Charlotte's little protege, little wench, decided to try to rough up Bailey, however, and almost did so by uh, doing some damage to the arm, if you will. However, but in the end, somehow, some way, she hung tough, however, and scored the victory with a Bailey to Bailey, and pulled off. Well, it wasn't a mild upset, but at least a respectable win. I mean, she needed this, especially after the last couple of weeks, after uh, Dana's been uh, in her head the last couple of weeks by beating her in any way, shape, or form. Uh, next, however, we go to Enzone Cass versus Gallows, or, excuse me, Gallows and Anderson, or as Enzone Cass called Gallows the Big Gal, and Anderson, Andy. Uh, that was okay, um, I think. The club should have won this matchup, and they continue to bury the club, which I don't understand why they're doing that. As we already know, Enzo and Cass are definitely over more and more every week. It seems like every show, every week, however, they get more cheers than anything. And right now, they just don't know what to do with the club, which is unfortunate. And I just, I'm totally baffled by that in every sense of the word. I think it's ridiculous that they continue to bury the club. But again, another quick short match, and it is what it is. So go figure there. Next, we go to KO, Sparkle Crotch, and Seth Rollins. Uh, this was good, but I did not like the finish here, mind you. It was a good 20-plus minute match again. Uh, Jericho, getting himself involved, made no sense at all. I think it was stupid for him to even get involved in it. It should have been these two settling their differences, like Roman and Rusev in the cage. But instead, KO decides to find a way to pull a fast one by basically supposedly firing the fire extinguisher by accident, if you will, however, blinding the referee, which gave Jericho a chance to sneak in the cage, however, and lock himself in the cage, however, and helping his buddy win, basically helping him just basically uh, put him, find a way to get him uh, an advantage, however. Um... That being said, however, it was a good match, but just a terrible, lousy ending. Don't mind me here. I'm just typing away here on my computer, too. Uh, Anyway, so for what it was, it was a good match, but like I said, I just think the ending could have been just a little bit better. Next, TJP taking on uh, the 
Brian Kendrick, however. I think they needed to do this right, however. I was a little baffled here, mind you, however, of uh, the finish, however, because it looked like at one point, however, Kendrick totally blew out his leg, and you couldn't tell if he was going to try to sucker TJP in and fool everyone or if he was really hurt, but uh, he kind of played it pretty good here, a little heelish, if you will. Uh, at the end of the night, however, Kendrick uh, made uh, TJP tap out to the captain's hook. Uh, it was a good match. Uh, again, not as good as the first Cruiserweight match, but still decent boys. They gave it about 10 plus minutes, so it was good. Now the question is, where do they go from here, obviously, uh, with Kendrick being the champion? Do they have guys like Cedric Alexander, Rich Swan, Gulak, Nice? Uh, Defari's, uh, I think it's his nephew or his son or bro- uh, brother, I don't know, uh, to, J- to Jerry, the Japanese guy, Koji Ayabuda or whatever it is. Uh, some of these cruiserweights take a chance at going after Kendrick, possibly. I mean, Kendrick's showing a little bit more of a heelish side than before. I mean, obviously, you saw what happened after talking uh, on Talking Raw after the pay-per-view when Booker T questioned him of what he did and how... He said to him, how do you feel satisfied for what you did? However, do you think that was the right decision? And uh, it looks like uh, Booker definitely uh, wasn't afraid to pull any punches on the new champ, however. But uh, at the end of the night, however, Kendrick, I guess, didn't care to answer him or just simply had a smirk across his face to Booker and everyone, including uh, Lita and the King and Renee, and say, I am what I am, and that's the new champion. How whether you like it or not, how I am the new champion. But like I said, um, it's going to be interesting to see where they, if they're going to continue to shoot. Obviously, with TJP and Kendrick, I would not be surprised if it does. Uh, next, we go to another semi-disappointing match here: uh, Big E and Xavier versus Sheamus and Cesaro. I mean, yes, Sheamus and uh, Cesaro won the match, but only by disqualification. However, because apparently. Sheamus hit Big E with the uh, trombone, a.k.a. Francesca 2, which is no longer around, apparently. Kingston then apparently caught Sheamus with a kick, but then Cesaro had Woods in the sharpshooter, and you're thinking, oh, the New Day's record has finally been extinguished after 400-plus days, however, and that Sheamus and Cesaro, the odd couple of odd couples, have become the new tag champs. Well, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. As Lee Corso and ESPN say, not so fast, my friend, it did not happen here. Uh, Seamus and Cesaro did win, but at the end of the night, the New Day did retain, however, and still remain the champs. So, uh, kind of another cheesy, hokey ending, however, for what it is, however, but uh, the question still remains, I mean, are they still really sold on the New Day uh, breaking demolitions record or coming close to eclipsing demolitions record? Well, it looks like right now that is the plan, as they want to try to break it before the year is out or the start of early January next year, within the next couple months. Whether that happens, it remains to be seen. But right now, I think as of today, day is today is either day 431 or 432 in the New Day's record as far as the tag champs. And that is a long time reign. I mean, that's the longest reign we've seen since maybe the demo, close since the Brian Kendrick Paul London tag team. For, I think that's like the third or fourth longest record now. And like I said, whether they remain champs between now and the end of the year is really going to be interesting to see if they uh, do it or not, or at least come close to eclipsing that record. We'll have to wait and see, obviously. Now to my biggest meltdown of the night by far, and this is the one that really kind of irked me a little bit. Uh, Shame, or not Shame, Sasha and Charlotte 
great match. Fantastic match. I'm not going to discredit that match at all. That was one of the better matches of the night, hands down. It was amazing. They gave it a lot of time. It was exciting. It was entertaining. It served its purpose, and the women have got to be commended on a job well done. I mean, they really do. I mean, they busted their ass and went out there and stole the show, as only they can. I mean, for the first time, I think you can say the women definitely wowed everyone. They wowed me, they wowed you, they wowed just about everyone in the free world for what they did. What I didn't like, however, was the ending. Um, In the end, however, it is what it is, like I said, but... Uh, The thing that pisses me off is, I mean, they said earlier in the day, I guess, and I read this yesterday before we went on the air on Raw Radio, and I mentioned it on Raw Radio, and you even heard me mention it, you may have heard me mention it on Raw Radio, but if you didn't, I'll tell you it anyway, however. There was originally talk they wanted to make Sasha retain the title, however, originally, yeah, that was the plan. But somehow, someway, I guess, earlier in the day, there was a couple things that happened. First off, over the weekend, they wanted to do the spot, supposedly, from 98 involving Mick Foley and the Taker up on the case. They were talking about originally going to do that spot. At least there was some talk about it. But at the last minute, I guess, Vince, Hunter, and Stephanie said, no, we're not going to allow that to happen. We will not allow that to go down whatsoever. And I think all three of them got to be, and whoever else, made the call, ought to be commended for that job. Because if that would have happened, I only shudder to think what would have happened. But the thing that pisses me off more than anything is that apparently, I guess, sometime before the show or during the matchup, maybe during the show itself, however, supposedly Dave Meltzer reported this on his Wrestling Observer radio show, however, either on his own show, as well as a couple other shows, including live audio wrestling from based out of Canada and Gerard's neck of the woods, or online, there was there has been talk that somehow Vince changed all of that of Sasha retaining and going with Charlotte. Why he did that is beyond me. Personally, in my opinion, not to be a jerk about this, but I think it's bullshit. I mean, how many times does Charlotte have to pucker up to Vince's ass? along with Hunter and Stephanie and everyone in the office, however, to get her way. I mean, okay, we know she's been a great diva since she came up to the WWE. We understand that. But you think about it, okay? Sasha has won the belt twice this year, and both times have been on Raw. Once in Pittsburgh, the night after a pay-per-view, and then once in Los Angeles, which was three weeks ago. But Charlotte, because of her ego, which is the big word describing her that she has right now, and that is a big-headed ego, she can win anytime she wants because they think that she is the golden diva. I understand she had a great match, and we all know she had a great couple, she's had some great matches this year. She had that great triple threat match with Becky and Sasha at Mania. She had that good match with uh, Sasha, however, at SummerSlam, even though she kind of got lucky in getting the title back then after Sasha only held it for less than a month. But unfortunately, however, once again, unless Sasha was really hurt again with her back, however, which might be the reason why they went with her again, however, to give the title back to Charlotte, I don't understand that. I think it's bullshit. I think it's crap. I mean, Charlotte, yes, has been on the top of the mound for the past two years. 
I mean, sh- I mean, she is like a perfect thirteen and zero right now. They could have made her said to her Sunday night, however, unless it was Sasha's call too, and I don't know if it was Sasha's call, and because I haven't heard anything new since Sunday, unless it was Sasha's call. But if it wasn't Sasha's call, and they decided to go with Charlotte, like the whole office, then that was crap. They could have made Charlotte lose for once in Sasha's hometown, but no, because of Charlotte's big ego and her big head and her nose up Vince's ass along with Stephanie and Hunter's backside, however, basically, she gets her way again by becoming the champion for the third time this year. I mean, that's crap. I'm sorry. It's BS. It's crap. And she should not have won. I think it was absolutely luck she won. But now the question is, where do they go from here? Obviously, Charlotte or Sasha did not appear on Raw last night. I imagine she's going to have to take some bit of time off now because depending on how that back is, I don't know if she's going to make the trip to Europe this coming week or not. We'll have to wait and see. But now there's talk, apparently, and we'll talk more about it on the Raw react, uh, post from last night, they're going to start a Charlotte Bailey feud. I'm sorry, that's way too soon. You could have saved that for the Royal Rumble, or you could have done that with WrestleMania this year. Instead, you're rushing it now, and you're thinking that Bailey has no chance in hell of winning that title from Charlotte, which probably won't be the case. Personally, I would have liked to have seen Charlotte and someone like Nia Jax. But no, Charlotte has hired Nia Jax to be her little goon buddy, if you will now, however, because last night, the champ and her little bitch boy, Dana Brooke, decided to take the night off and just celebrate that they're back on top of the mound again and let Bailey get run over by a steamroller in the form of Nia Jax. So, here's a message to WWE and the booking team. Quit having people kiss your ass, i.e. Charlotte Flair, i.e. Kevin Owens, i.e. Chris Jericho. I mean... The reason why they're doing this whole thing with Jericho and Owens, however, I understand, however, maybe it's because they want to set up a few with Jericho and Owens. But the thing is, like I said, with Charlotte Flair, I just think it's ridiculous that she has to have her ego being played out again. Because right now, other than Bailey, who else is out there besides Bailey and Anaya Jax right now that could challenge her for that belt right now? I mean, they've done Charlotte and Sasha a lot the last couple of months, but who else is there right now that could maybe stop Charlotte in her reign? Alicia Fox, as much as she's somewhat decent at times, no, I can't see that happening. All the uh, Nikki Bella, she's obviously on SmackDown with Becky, with Carmella, with Natty, with Alexa. I'm sorry, the Raw Diva roster is very thin right now. The only two people that are over in the company right now are basically Bailey and Sasha. And you got a killer monster in Nia Jax who you haven't been able to use properly yet. I would like to see Nia and Charlotte get into it for once. But no, they figure now they want to pull the trigger early into a Charlotte Bailey program. I'm sorry. It's not going to work. So, in wrapping this up very quickly, before I get into my raw meltdown later on, I'm going to give the show an 8 out of 10. I mean, there were some good parts, like I said. I did like the women's matchup. I will admit that. I mean, the women's match to me, however, it was like watching, and I, I said this, so, I've said this so many times in the last few days. It was like watching, 
Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Ric Flair Steamboat, Steamboat Savage, that type of match. It was a classic, no question about it. And like I said, the women should be commended. Both of them should be commended for the job they did. They did a hell of a job last night, or Sunday night, in Boston. They told a great story, and they delivered. But the ending to me just left a little bad taste in my mouth at the end, however. But I understand why they went with it. But I just, I still think it's just ridiculous. They had to give Charlotte the victory again and screw Sasha in her hometown. It doesn't make sense to me. Great review there, Helen Silver, JD. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll go on this one and get John's uh, Helen Silver review before we go on to the raw reviews here. And we still wait the arrival, of course, of two more of our folks in the panel with to cut the handle. While we do that, we'll go ahead and get John's Helen Silver report. He's got some good, good, good text on everything as well. Let's see what he has on tap. Uh, of course, he says he couldn't take a great start to open up the pre show. Of course, with the Cruiserweight Six Man Tag. Match the match was very awesome. Show did need definitely did, did need some fun, like you said, JD. Excellent first match, of course, the main show. Reigns and Rusev kicked it off. Twenty-five minute match. It tore the house down in Boston. And John, in his opinion, uh, no matter how much Rusev threw at Roman Reigns with the sticks, chains, chairs, tables, and steps, Reigns just kept coming back. I would have to agree with that. Uh, John says a nice win for Bailey, an aggressive win nonetheless over Dana Brooke. Despite her injuries, it makes you want, and also makes you wonder: will she be the ne- will she be the next challenger for the women's title? I mean, JD, you, you brought this up. I mean, could she be? I mean, it's possible. We'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, of course, the tag match with Enzo and Cass versus the Club, two of Johnson has two of his favorite tag teams. Still couldn't get out of his Johnson still couldn't get out of his head. With Enzo and Cass, Colin Anderson and, and Gallows, Big Gal and Woody. And John said he doesn't believe Anderson really looks much like Woody, but an excellent win for the club. Hopefully they can get another shot at the tag team titles. Uh, I would have to agree with that there, John. Uh, John also says a good universal title uh, win at Hell in a Cell. Of course, Rollins and Owens put, put on a great match, but Owens uses a fire extinguisher by accident on the ref. And then, of course, the best friend comes in to help KO. But despite Rollins fighting and powerbombing Owens through two tables, this is his favorite spot right there, Rollins. Powerbomb Owens straight through two tables. But still, in the end, KO did get the win in that match. Uh, Cruiserweight title match was good. Just as we get him on, surprised to see Kendrick get the win there. Perkins thought he was going to fall for Kendrick's little stunt, but little did he know Kendrick found a way out against Perkins by using the captain's hook. Uh, of course, now the question is, will there be more Cruiserweights to challenge Kendrick? the Cruiserweight title. I mean, definitely. I mean, that's why they had the Cruiserweight thing on Raw. I mean, we're going to have to wait and see about how, who else challenges Brian Kendrick. I'm sure TJ would be probably the first one to challenge him for that rematch, I'm sure. I'm sure he has that, and I'm sure he has a rematch clause so that he'll be able to use that. I'm sure, but I'm not sure. Who's that? I would hope he does, but I'm not sure. There you go. I'll say it, I'll say it straight, man. Uh, tag Team Tiles of the New Day against Sheamus and Cesaro. Now, of course, uh, John said he thought this was for the New Day, but it's still the New Day sacrifice and retaining tight titles with Sheamus using, Francis, using Fra- Francesca to kill it, but it wasn't the way that Chris Jericho had used Francesca one. Oh, okay. I say, I say, okay. And then, of course, John says finally the main event, 
the first pay-per-view women's main event between Sasha Banks and Charlotte for the WWE Women's title. Ever since it began pay-per-views in 1985, the main event has always started out with male wrestlers in the pay-per-views, but not on this night. When the cell came down, Charlotte decided to begin the match outside with Sasha. They wanted to go on top of the cell. They were close to get on top of the cell, but didn't go all the way. They went five feet through the cage. But what amazed me the most was Charlotte powerbombing Sasha through the cage into the announce table. Even without powerbomb on top of the cell, Charlotte would just make this match a one-sided but Sasha somehow battled back like J.D. I find that great women's talent should have stayed with Sasha. Uh, John said he will say this. Charlotte and Sasha's match definitely put the guys to shame. He did give the show an 8 out of 10. Charlotte did lose a tag team match at Battleground. But why, why they didn't mention it is beyond me. Um, of course, J.D., he mentioned something to you about what, what about Austin versus Rock. I'm not sure hmm. about that. Okay. Good analysis there, John, of uh, of how to sell that, of course. Hopefully, like I said, if we can do we get Gerard and Michelle on here, we'll hopefully get to hear their – I would love to hear, get their thoughts about uh, how to sell uh, Sunday night. Uh, if they get on here tonight or tomorrow, we'll hopefully get, to get, get their thoughts on here soon. Oh, John was talking about Charlotte and Sasha being the Austin versus Rock match. It's what he was talking about, J.D. What is it? You're saying Charlotte and Sasha being the Austin versus Rock match. Yeah, it felt like that. Yeah, it was like it's sort of like what WrestleMania 17 was. It was sort of like that. I think that's where he's going with. Yeah, it felt like that because, like I said, it was a good 20, 22 minute match. And like I said, if you gave him three or four more minutes, it would have been great, though. Yes. I would, have to, I would definitely have to agree with that, too. I've got to agree with that as well. Okay, the great thoughts there, uh, gentlemen, for Helen Cell. Let's go ahead and dive right on in here right now. So, like I said, hopefully we'll get our we'll get the rest of our folks in for their their, their thoughts and opinions. But let's go ahead and get our let's get get your thoughts and opinions there, gentlemen, on uh, last night's Monday Night Raw show. Of course, the aftermath of Helen Cell. Uh, <clears throat> JD is going to get your take on everything that went on here first. Please go ahead. Oh boy, here we go again. All right, people, get ready because there might be some trick or treats coming up out of uh, my uh, spewing. Let's just say in more ways than one. As far as the show goes, last night, I mean, we talked about the rating. Uh, it wasn't bad. It was okay, but it was average. I mean, it could have been a lot better. I think starting off the show with Goldberg, Heyman. And then Rusev was interesting. I'm really surprised they went with that right out of the gate, however, considering they were going up against the Monday Night Football game. That kind of baffled me a little bit, however. I was surprised to see Goldberg uh, pick up Rusev like that, however, the way he did, however, even though they said he had a tough time doing it, however. And then Spearing Heyman, I thought that was interesting. You can imagine Brock was really upset about that in more ways than one at home watching it. And, of course, now there's been talk, however, that in two weeks, however, uh, the week before Survivor Series, however, on the 14th, however, in Buffalo, that both guys will be there eyeball to eyeball for the first time in 12 years. That is going to be a very, very intense Monday night, you can bet, in upstate New York. But, uh, like I said, I was really surprised to see uh, that 
be led right out of the gate early on. Um, as far as the opening matchup goes, it was a trick-or-treat fight involving Enzo and Cass. Enzo and Cass were dressed up as Woody and, uh, uh, what the heck is his name from Toy Story? Oh, Andy and Woody from uh, Toy Story, however. Uh, needless to say, it was a trick-or-street fight. It was okay. It was kind of funny and a little hokey at the same time, so there you go. Next, of course, you had TJ Perkins uh, and Brian Kendrick, I guess. Uh, Perkins asked for a rematch earlier in the day with Stephanie and Mick, and he got it. Uh, this one was okay, but it wasn't great compared to the night before. I didn't like the finish here at all. I thought it was stupid. Um, surprisingly, however, uh, Kendrick apparently retained the belt hard despite the fact TJ won by count out. How I guess they're going to, I don't know how much, how much longer they're going to continue this feud. However, of course, Perkins went ballistic after the matchup by attacking Kendrick Howard. So I guess TJP is, uh, getting tired of, uh, Kendrick uh, outsmarting him and outthinking him, but at the same time, it's just tired of being played like a fool, supposedly. Then you have uh, probably uh, one of the dumbest segments before we get to the, uh, anything else. So I got to say, the announced team last of Cole, Saxton, Graves was okay. It wasn't the best they've done. Um, Cole thought he was pretty cool dressed up. It says he was the chairman, apparently. Corey Graves, I did like the orange tie and the orange outfit, but Byron Saxton, I've I've ripped this guy numerous times again and again and again and again. But to me last night, he looked like the biggest ass there ever was. His costume, if you saw it, was absolutely horrendous. He had no sense of humor whatsoever last night. He was the annoying jackass. He just really wanted to slam the door right in the face of, literally. He was acting like a total clown all night long. He continues to be the most boring guy on the television show by far. I wish they would get rid of him and bring back JBL, or at least maybe try to bring King back over, or someone else. Maybe try to get uh, maybe someone else, like maybe Tom Phillips, possibly, to come in. Because I think Tom Phillips... would be, or even Renee Young. I'd like to see maybe the announced team shake up on Raw because, I mean, right now, you got Corey Graves every week. I mean, yes, he is a heel. And at times, he can be a little annoying as the heel announcer, but he is a great heel announcer, I think. He's sort of like on par with JBL. He, at times, he can be really annoying and you really want to hate him and just absolutely spit nails when you hear Corey Graves suck up and kiss ass with certain individuals. But when it comes to thinking he has a great sense of humor and becomes a funny guy announcer, he's not. And that guy I'm talking about is Saxton. I mean, I think WWE better start looking at plans and maybe bringing either a new announcer in or reassigning Saxton over elsewhere, like maybe over to SmackDown and bring either King back to Monday nights or at least maybe try to bring someone new in like Tom Phillips or maybe another announcer because, I mean, Saxton is just terrible. Every week when it comes to announcing, he continues to be an idiot. And last night, he showed again. Now, as far as the Mick Foley, Kevin Owens, Jericho thing in the ring to start Hour 2, that wasn't too bad. Then you had Roman come in and confront Jericho, of course. Jericho and Owens continue to show that they are absolutely bromance brothers. And just, I'm, I'm getting sick of seeing it every week. More and more of them continue to just continue to play the love fest with each other. And the list continues to be... Yes, a lot of people say it's funny and 
worthwhile watching and it's worth uh, a chuckle here and there, but I don't know how much more they continue to drag this out. I'm getting tired of hearing about it over and over again, and the bromance is just making me just just continue to just bore me to no end. I mean, yes, it was fun for a while, but it just now continues to get more and more annoying. Speaking of annoying, let's go to the battle world that Mick Foley announced to see who would be on the Survivor Series team. You had Strowman, Zane, Cesaro, Sheamus, R-Truth, Goldust, Curtis Axel, Mahal, Neville, Titus O'Neil, Bo Dallas, and Darren Young, who dressed like Bob Backlund. What is this? The Superstars warm-up main event type uh, battle world? I mean, seriously? Give me a break already. At one point, you looked like you had Sammy was going to pull off the upset, but in the end, it was the big Strowman himself, the big man who continues to... uh, Tell McFoy, get me better competition. Get me better competition. Okay, Strowman, we get it, buddy. You want better competition. Well, guess what? You're going to be now on the same team as the uh, Bromance Brothers and Roman Reigns against SmackDown at Survivor Series. I'm sorry. That is a horrendous team. I mean, except for Jericho and Owens, the other two I'm kind of mixed about. First off, where was Seth Rollins? Why wasn't Seth put on the team? Why didn't you think about putting him on the team there, Mick or Stephanie? I mean, especially you, Mick. What's up with that? Oh, I forgot. You just figure, however, you'd ignore him. After he busted his ass and literally came within inches of beating KO and Jericho, the bromance bros, the other night, however, at Hell in a Cell, you figure, oh, let's screw him off the roster and throw him off the roster as far as the Survivor Series team. Meanwhile, Seth Rollins has been making you guys stay afloat, Teller. You should be happy. Instead, you're bringing a big six foot eight, 360-pound monster in Strowman, whose only claim to fame in the last few months since he came over from the draft is beating up weak-ass jobbers. I mean, come on. That's BS, if you ask me. Speaking of BS, let's continue on. Uh, the Cruiserweight rematch, however, involving the six people that were involved, however, the night before. Uh, once again, you had Rich Swan and his team of Cedric Alexander Lentz win against Davari Gulak and Nice. Great match. Once a good match once again. And like I said, they continue to perform very well. But again, as I've said many times over, and I keep on saying it, Instead of having these six guys on every week, however, and don't get me wrong, these six guys have brought a lot of excitement and energy to the Cruiserweight so far. Why hasn't WWE contacted anyone else? Like Tajiri. Like the Japanese guy, Ayabushi. Why haven't they talked to them? Or even some of the other guys that they were in the tournament originally, however, and giving them an opportunity. Are they uh, afraid that they're not gonna uh, that they're going to fall on their face? I'm sorry. I think it's time to get some other cruiserweights a chance. You know, these six guys have done great so far. They've been fantastic and exciting to watch. But it's time to give some of the other cruiserweights a chance, mind you. Now, the funny part of the night, however, I got to say, and it was funny, is when the New Day were backstage in their Halloween costumes. That, to me, I almost lost it. You had Big E dressed up as Kama Mustafa, Kofi as the Godfather, wearing a necklace of Sasha Banks that said Boss on it, which was pretty cute. And then Xavier's Papa Shango. I mean, like, at first I couldn't tell Xavier's Papa Shango or not. I thought, 
I I thought it was the boogeyman, but it wasn't. It was funny, but they talked about now being the team to lead Team Smack uh, Raw. However, in the tag team division, now who are you going to get on your team to help you out fight Team SmackDown? Cesaro and the Human Jar of Mayo. Looks like it's a possibility, even though they're not seeing eye to eye. Are you going to get the club, even though they don't like you that much? Probably. But that's it. Who else is out there that is going to lead your team? You've got three tag teams right now, mind you, consisting of what? Two, let me think, two, four, yeah, six. Okay, six. Unless you have to take one out of the equation, unless which will probably be, in this case, one of the New Day members, probably. Whoever it is, it remains to be seen. But unless you're doing five-on-five, five, however, for the tag team division, however, Survivor Series, however, I think SmackDown's going to dominate that division. Because on SmackDown, you've got the Usos, you've got American Alpha, you've got Slater the Rhinos, much as I don't like them, and you've got the VOD villains. So, who has the advantage there, I wonder? We'll have to wait and see. Now, to my other rant of the day. Speaking of Seamus, well, before we get to that, Seamus and Cesar, of course, who were in the battle world earlier in the night, took on, probably, again, the worst tag team that I cannot stand right now in the WWE. I am sick of seeing these guys every week on television and continue to hype themselves as a great thing. The Shining Stars, Primo and Epico. Okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to said this so many times on all the shows, and even on this show. Primo, Epico, you suck. You have no charisma. You have no talent. And you're a bunch of annoying jackasses that are continuing to sell the Shining Star Hotel, or whatever it is, this timeshare thing you're doing, however, and acting like the biggest horse's, jackass, or horse's asses this side of the pike. So here's an idea, WWE. While you're reassigning Saxton... Why don't you take Primo and Epico with you? And you three together can be the th- known now as the Big Three Asses. You should have your name as the Big Three Asses because you three are a bunch of asses. Primo and Epico, you have no talent. You can't speak. You can't wrestle. You only can wrestle because you think because of who your uh, brother or uh, nephew was and your legendary dad is, and he was a good wrestler back in the day, don't get me wrong, Carlos Colon was a pretty good wrestler back in the day, but because you think you have charisma, you can still wrestle. No. When it comes to Primo and Epico, and I see them on the TV, usually that means one thing, either a snack break for me, or a piss break in this case. You can use both, because I already take a whiz on both of them, because they are just absolutely horrendously bad. Speaking of horrendously bad, mind you, Another bad segment from last night. The whole truth, our truth, gold dust thing in the haunted house thing. Not funny, not worth my time, absolute waste of time. Now, to the biggest waste of time of the night, and here is where I'm going to go off again. The whole Charlotte Flair, Dana Brooke, Nia Jax, Bailey thing. Okay, Charlotte, as I said earlier, however, you had a hellacious match the night before. We get that. Okay, we get that. But last night, what do you do? Oh, because everyone should bow down and kiss your ass 
you're not fighting tonight. But instead, what do you do? Oh, you say, oh, I'm the new captain of Team Raw, however, basically. And I'm going to basically show Nikki Bella, however, what to do, however, if she gets in my way again. Well, guess what, Charlotte, honey? You're going to get your ass kicked when Nikki Bella breaks you in half like a pretzel. Yes, you think you can take Nikki Bella this time? Unlike last time, guess what? I don't think so. Nikki Bella and her friends, whether it's Becky Lynch and the two people she can't stand right now, Alexa Bliss and Carmella, are going to break you and your team to pieces. Because I know Charlotte going to probably obviously have, besides Dana, besides Alicia, or excuse me, besides Nia Jax, who else are you going to put on that team? Let me think for a minute. Oh, that's right. You're going to probably get your little BFF bitch friend Dana Brooke on your team because she's been always kissing your ass. Just like everyone's been kissing everyone's kissing your ass because she th- you think she deserves a spot and you're saying that Bailey's a weak link on the team. Well, guess what? I think that at the end of the night, Howard Star is going to bite you tenfold. But the thing that pissed me off about last night is talking about Bailey and Nia Jax. You had Nia Jax absolutely murder Bailey. And I mean murder her good. She beat her in six minutes, however. And while this was all going on, however, you're sitting up there with your little BFF bitch friend, Dana Brooke, saying, however, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, however. But what happened last night, Charlotte? Why didn't you have the balls to get in the ring? I understand maybe you're still a little sore and hurt, maybe, probably, because of what happened the night before. But if you weren't, however, why didn't you fight last night? Oh, that's right. Again, you had your ass, basically, you were kissing the ass of management to get your own way because it's all about you. Give me a freaking break already. You are nothing more than an egomaniacal bitch who thinks everyone should bow down and kiss your ass. Well, guess what? Like I said before, and I'll say it one more time, it ain't going to happen. Because Nikki Bell and her friends of Becky and the two people who know she can't stand with either one of them are going to absolutely ream you a new one in Toronto in three weeks, honey. So you better be ready. And if you think Nia Jax is going to be the one person that murders everyone else on SmackDown, huh, good luck. She may be able to take Alexa and Carmella out. It's going to be tough for her to take out Nikki. But if it comes down to Charlotte and Nikki, I hope to God. And I know Michelle is a Nikki backer, like most of us are. Some of us aren't. Some of us aren't. I hope Nikki absolutely puts the boot right in, breaks that pretty little face of Charlotte's, and breaks her nose and literally busts her nose open. I think Nikki has some unfinished business to deal with as far as Charlotte goes. So Charlotte... Enjoy mocking everyone while you can, honey. But sooner or later, whether it be Nikki, whether it be Naya, or whether Sasha returns, however, your time is up very soon once again, as far as that title goes. You got lucky Sunday night. You got lucky last night you didn't have to fight because you obviously decided not to deserve it. Well, guess what? Hopefully in Scotland next week, you'll get a little present in the form of Sasha Banks returning, and she'll absolutely bust you open. At least I hope she does. Both the and see. And now to the main event. Roman Reigns versus Sparkle Crotch versus the KO for the US title. Once again, Jericho, of course, however, mind you, however, had to have his boyfriend save him because he can't win on his own. 
And, of course, Roman wins by DQ. Now, this leads me to wonder what's going to happen when they get to Scotland next week. Are we going to see a tag team match between all four of these guys, however? It's very possible. I just The only thing that pissed me off about this was the whole night, not one time, except for earlier in the evening, you heard anything about Seth Rollins. And they were focusing on Jericho and KO. That was absolutely crap, if you ask me. I think it was BS that it was only mentioned one time the entire night. It didn't make sense. So yeah, this week, however, Raw took a big step backwards, if you ask me. A major step backwards. So they better pick it up next week with a couple weeks to go. Otherwise, you're in big trouble heading into Toronto. There you go. Well, thank you very much, sir, uh, J.D., for your review of, of last night's Monday Night Raw. Let's see what John has to say right here about, about last night's show. Uh, of course, here is what he has to say. First off, he says he started off the show with Goldberg and Paul Heyman, only for Heyman to scam Goldberg with Brock Lesnar supposedly coming out. But here comes Rusev coming out, trying to redeem himself after his loss at Hell in Cell to Roman Reigns and try to call out the man, the Rusev, there's a big difference in running your mouth. This is John speaking here. You get your butt jackhammered and Heyman for you scamming Goldberg. Guess what? Your prize is a well-earned spear. And I saw that clip on YouTube. Really. That was a, I'll tell you what, he still knows how to do it. Though. I'll, tell you, I'll give him that. They said also they edited it out when he picked up uh, Rusev, however, that he had a tough time doing so, too. Uh. He he was a little bit slow in it, but I mean, I think he was. I think he got up there. With, I think uh, it, 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 to me, it, it, it looked like he was, looked like he had no problem with it. Yeah, I, that's what I said too. I even said that to uh, John later on last night. However, I said the same thing. Yeah, exactly. But I think I think he still I think he still has a little bit left there. Mm-hmm. I think he's still he's still the man. My personal opinion. Yep. Yes. Uh, ends up versus Gallows in a street fight trick or treat match. A great way of seeing as it was Halloween. Definitely loved Enzo and Cass's outfits. And for everyone's information, the second to Lion King is also John's favorite childhood movie and has, of course, Toy Story. Okay. Enzo winning was for the best because of what happened at Hell in a Cell. So John gets to Enzo and Cass need to find a way to get their payback. The Cruiserweight title match was good, but Kendrick, just like he did on Raw, talked with Booker T, decided to tuck his tail and run. Mm-hmm. The same between Foley, Owens, Jericho, and Reigns wasn't too bad. So John believes Reigns is going to lead Team Raw, not KO. And Jericho wants the U.S. title. Okay, think about how Jericho has won many times in his career. Could the U.S. title be the next one? Hmm, okay. Uh, John says Battle Royal was fine. It seemed like a superstar's main event to, to him. Strowman dominated his way to destroy every destroy everyone and everyone anyone he stood up to. As him throwing everybody over the top rope, he definitely was the MVP in this contest. And Spyro Series may be the MVP of this show if he eliminates Team SmackDown one by one. Uh, he said the Cruiserweight rematch was better was better like Hell on the Cell. John says Charlotte's promo saying she was going to Captain Team Raw against Team SmackDown, and we know it's going to be Dana Brooke, Nia Jackson, Bailey. But like Seth Rollins, what about a fifth partner? Can we see Sasha recover in time and join the team? Nia Jax, like Braun Strowman, finally gets some real competition as 
and she takes on Bailey with Nia just totally destroying her like a like a chopped piece of meat. Hmm. Okay. The New Day segment was fun. I enjoyed, John enjoyed the way that they stole Godfather's gimmicks. Glad they didn't do the 1995 attire. Okay. All right. I know what he's talking about. Okay. Sheamus and Cesaro beat the overrated tag team ever, and that was the Shining Stars. But they still cannot get it straight. I mean, they're, they're a team, and they have to start acting like you said, being teenagers. And then the Reigns-Jericho U.S. title match finally. He hopes Reigns gets another lesson to talk to him. Reigns wins by DQ to interference by Owens. Why? Because Owens doesn't give a darn about Roman Reigns. Seth Rollins coming out to save his former friend. And the fans change shield, shield, shield. Is it going to happen soon? John says it's got to happen somewhere down the line. And it's a shield reunion. And I don't mean to talk about SmackDown, although we will talk about it tomorrow. Uh, John John wants to announce who's going to be on Team SmackDown. John, let, I know how badly you want to mention it, but let's let's wait for the beginning of Revolution tomorrow night. We'll wait. I I know how badly you want to mention it. We'll wait till tomorrow night to mention it. Yeah. Okay. I know. I know. It's it, 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 it itching to. I know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. We'll do it. To be, we'll do it to begin another show. I know. I know. It's tempting. It's very tempting. And JD, he says he'll tell you offline. That's fine. I I, I kind of uh, put it up in the I don't excuse me the oh. entertainment the the entertainment thing too. Oh. Okay. okay. <coughs> Sorry. Okay. Don't hear a problem. Thank you very much. Uh, Don, I'm doing a bit bad. Sorry, right. something in my throat there. I'm okay. Don says, as as Porky T used to say, that's all. Hmm. Okay, thank you very much there. Uh, thank, you very much. thank you very much there, John, for your review, and of course, UJD as well, of last night's Monday Night Raw show. One seven two four 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 seventy four forty four. Call ID one three eight zero five five pound. You're listening to episode two hundred and forty one of the Mothership Broadcast, WWS Revolution, right here on TalkShoot.com. I am, of course, Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw, back on the line here with you. Uh, joining me here this evening is the Iceman JD Jared DiGiralmo. Of course, he is a 2015 WWS Hall of Famer. He is also, of course, part of Raw Radio and all of our other shows here in the Radio Network. And on the chat box here this evening, his partner from Raw Radio is, of course, the human success machine, John Gross, who is, of course, the first 2016 WWS Hall of Famer. Uh, we still have not heard from any of our other comrades yet. Uh, kind of hoping to hear from them about their take about what happened on uh, about what happened on uh, <clears throat> on uh, uh, Hell in the Cell at uh, Hell in the Cell or on Raw last night. Uh, but like I said. It, Hopefully, like I said, we get, we'll get to hear from them within the next here a few moments before we go off the air. Uh, overall, like I said, I mean, I will go ahead and I will go ahead and one just one more time. Uh, I will go ahead one more time and go through uh, predictions that, of course, that we did on our show this past Sunday of Hell in a Cell about who went who went for who. And I'm sure, like I said, J.D. does recall all this. Of course, John, you were not on, uh, so I will repeat all this as well. 
And these are, like I said, predictions that are made by J.D. John uh, last Thursday on Wolfpack and, of course, this past Sunday by our own GTS, Gerard T. Smith, and the Black Widow, Michelle Lynn Dodds. Uh, this Cruiserweight six-man tag, uh, J.D., GTS, and Michelle went for the team that Tony Meese was a part of. John went for the team that St. Carr was a part of. Uh, the U.S. title match, J.D., John, and Michelle went for Roman. Gerard went for Rusev. The universal title match, uh, J.D., John, and Gerard went for Kevin Owens. Michelle went for Rollins. Uh, J- in the women's title match, J.D. and John went for Sasha. Gerard and Michelle went for Charlotte. The Cruiserweight title match, all four folks went for Brian Kendrick. Tag team title match, J.D., Gerard, and Michelle went for the New Day. John went for Cesaro and Sheamus. Uh, Enzo and Class. Class. <laughs> Enzo How are you class. doing? I, I, yeah, welcome, welcome to my class, class one-on-one. How you doing? Okay. <laughs> Enzo and Cass versus the club. There you go. Uh, J.D., John, and Gerard went for the club, and Michelle went for Enzo and Cass. And as for the, the match between Bailey and Dana Brooke, uh, J.D. and John went for Bailey, and Gerard and Michelle went for Dana Brooke. So that was a good lineup there uh, for uh, Hell in a Cell this past uh, this past. <clears throat> this past Sunday evening. Uh, we'll also be recording, too, as well. Uh, we'll still continue uh, to sign, get folks signed in here for uh, for our, our Universal Title Tournament. And I am pleased to report that we did have someone did, someone else did sign in uh, for us here uh, earlier this evening. Uh, so we are, we are needing five more folks. We have five more openings here before, like I said, we can go ahead and start this tournament. Um, some of our folks here as part of the Panel Way Too Tough to Handle are part of this. And uh, so we definitely need, like I said, uh, and we're now up to 11 that have already jumped uh, jumped on board. So we need five more to, you know, to, to come on in and uh, join the party. So like I said, if you, want to, if you want to have an opportunity to test your wrestling knowledge and go for that piece of, uh, piece of WWS gold there, which is like said, the, the WWS Universal Championship, please... Jump out of here today. I said five more spots still remain. You can sign up at the Revolution Radio Facebook page, which is at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash WWS Revolution Radio. <clears throat> oh, I got a good story for you, Chad. If you don't love this. Please go ahead. This is a true story. And this, will, this is by far the funniest story I've heard yet. A patient who passed gas during an operation was badly burned when the fart ignited a laser being used in the surgery. A hospital reports it. The unnamed woman, aged in her 30s, was undergoing surgery at Tokyo Medical University Hospital, which involved a laser being applied to her cervix. As the surgery was being carried out in the Shinjuku ward, she passed wind, sparking the fires to the Japanese newspaper, the Eisashi Shimbun. She was left screaming in agony after the fire burnt most of the body waste in the legs, according to a report by external experts into the incident, which was released on October 28th. The committee stated in the report that no flammable materials were in the operating room during the surgery, and that equipment was functioning normally. The report went on to state, 
When the patient's intestinal gas leaked into the space of the operation room, it ignited with the irritation of the laser and the burning spread, eventually reaching the surgical trape and causing the fire. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. So, pretty wild there. My goodness, my goodness. Uh, uh, well, I've always often heard, you know, that the old trick about... Uh, you know, trying to light your farts. But, I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, unbelievable. Yep. Unbelievable. <coughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Let's see. Any other news reporting? Uh, we do now have an update, I think, on the Cubs game. I'm trying to get up. But, yes, 7-2 to two, Chicago in the bottom of the seventh right now. So we could be, it looks like we're going to go on to game seven tomorrow night, winner take all. And it says here, someone just bought two seats right by the Cubs dugout for game seven on Stop Hub in Cleveland, and that does not include fees, paid $19,900. So there you go. We'll see what happens tomorrow night, though, in the final game. My goodness. So, the big question is this now. Will Cleveland have something to celebrate after seven decades tomorrow night? Or will finally, after a century and a decade, 110 plus years, however, be a night to celebrate in Chicago? Or will Chicago win it and celebrate, however, in Cleveland, I should say? Or will Cleveland win it tomorrow night and wrap it up? We'll find out. Holy cow. Yep. My goodness. My goodness. Um also important <coughs> to uh oh excuse me. Oh pardon me. <coughs> oh sorry, excuse me. Mm-mm. Uh, that's a sprite talking there, ladies and gentlemen. My apologies there. Uh, I do have a updated person, uh, of your friend Jeremy Thompson, Full Living Mania, the updated WWE Survivor Series card. Yes. Uh, don't mind, I'll read, it. I'll read a little bit of it here. Um, if, you, if y'all don't mind, of course. Uh, and this is, that's all it is. It's just a card. There's no other news with it. It's just that, it's just that right there. Uh, of course, we do know of Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. Uh, the Survivor Series men's match, it will be, it's not complete. All of them are not really complete, they look like it, with the exception of Lesnar versus Goldberg. But the men's match as a, is, set, is set up at, at like this. Excuse me, I can stop belching, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you. Representing SmackDown, I do believe it is AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Dean Ambrose, Baron Corbin, and Bray Wyatt. That's probably what John wanted to say. So I went ahead and said it. So there you go. You heard me say it right here tonight. That's on 411 Mania, so that's why I went ahead and said it. So John, I went ahead and said it, okay?
versus Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, and a fifth member to be announced. So they haven't chosen a fifth member for Team Raw as of yet. But, J.D., you are you and John are both witnesses. I did say the SmackDown roster, they, they updated, I guess, tonight. So, And they also did the women's match. I'll go ahead and mention the women's and the tag teams as well. The women's matches are like this. Uh, Becky Lynch, Nikki Bella, Carmella, Alexa Bliss, and Naomi with Coach Natalia. Hmm. Natalia is a coach? Apparently. Hmm. Versus the women's the women's team raw team, which is which of course we did mention it was Charlotte, Bailey, Nia Jax, and two more to be announced. Now wait a minute. I talked to Michelle earlier and I asked her this question. I said that with Nia Jax, you know, wrestling Bailey, you know, and defeating Bailey, does that take her out of this match? And Michelle told me that it did. It might have. I'm not really sure what's going so on. So Bailey is still in this? Might be. I don't know. That's a good question. But is this an updated card, though? Yeah. Well, that means Bailey is still in the thing, then. Yeah, apparently. But unless unless they have unless they update it here. Okay. Well, we're going to go along with this for now. And if they update it tomorrow, then we'll talk about it more tomorrow. Okay. Okay. And, John, you're welcome. The Survivor Series tag team match is, is like this. Is I think from SmackDown is Heath Slater and Rhino, the Hype Brothers, American Alpha, and the Usos, and another team to be announced versus now that that other team to be announced has got to be the Headbangers. I mean, was, I mean, you would think about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Versus New Day. And Team Raw. Huh. Which could be, that, that could mean Enzo and Cass. It could mean the club. Right. I mean, who else could it be? You don't have that many tag teams on Raw, do you? No, I mean, you got... Let's think about it. You got the club. You got Enzo and Cass. And you got... Uh, I was going to say, you got... Now, please don't let them put uh, the two we the two teams we don't really give a darn for. Please don't let them put on, the, these guys on because they Yeah, really exactly. Good. Don't put the golden truth. Don't put freaking uh, the shining stars. I mean, if you want to do teams, like I said, put the club, put the new day, uh, and then zone cast. That's it. Don't put the other two on. That's all. That's all you got to do. And the other one is an Intercontinental <laughs> title match. And then, then get this, an Intercontinental title match, it'll be Dolph Ziggler defending the belt against a member of the Raw roster. Who could that be? Why in the world would a member of the Raw roster going after the Intercontinental belt? I thought the Intercontinental belt was exclusive to SmackDown. It is, but I think since it's combined on both shows, however, that's why Dolph threw out the challenge, I would think. But if he does, who takes that challenge, though? 
I'll it'd be interesting, interesting to see. So, so apparently, Dolph has issued a challenge to a member of the Raw roster for an Intercontinental title match. Yeah. Hmm. And Johnson looked for Strowman and Corbin in the middle part of the match. Of, of their of their Survivor Series match. Well, yeah, that's 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 possible here too. Uh, this is something we didn't mention. I gotta mention this in the in here. Let me get your take on this here, JD. This is also being brought up by Jeremy Thomas here today, off of Four Eleven Mania. We gotta ask one of these guys to come on one of the shows sometime and talk to us. Yes, uh, I'm, 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 I'm friends with both. I'll see if I can try to work with them, however, maybe. Yeah, I mean, like I said, just for a brief moment, not 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 an all show thing. Yeah, but a brief moment, a brief moment. Sure. Uh, of course, the story is TNA sets Al Snow Wrestling Academy as their global development center. <coughs> hmm. Hmm. Al Snow has announced that his wrestling school has been selected to be TNA's new global development development center. You can see the post below from Al Snow himself, who works as an agent for the company, regarding his Al Snow Wrestling Academy being selected by TNA. And this is what he said, right? This is something he posted on Facebook. Let me go ahead and uh, read this right here. The Al Snow Academy are very, very proud, are very proud to announce that we are now the official global development center for TNA Impact Wrestling. If you have the passion, the heart, and the desire to start the journey to become the best that you you can be, then join all the other students who have already started the pathway towards a career in professional wrestling. Learn the right right way from from the legend and former head trainer of WWE, Al Snow. And head. And 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 I got the rest of it right here. Okay, which it took me to the post on Facebook anyway. Let me go ahead and read this. Okay. Uh, uh, let me see here. The, the main man, the one and only Doug Williams, uh, European and UK great James Mason, the teacher and former WWE TNA legend, TNA Joe E. Legend, TNA star Bad Bones, John Klinger, High Flying Red Eagle, German woman star and MMA fighter Alpha Female, Mulati Body Bingy, catch wrestling coach UK UKCC2, a host of guest trainers. In December, it's supposed to have Robbie E. as a guest trainer. Guest trainer. <laughs> uh, London Academy, Croydon, um, Midlands Academy, Birmingham, Luke Dalton, Cheshire Academy, Runcorn, and Winsford, Andy Baker. <laughs> as of January, our international student course lasting three months will begin. Please contact us for information as places are limited. And, of course, they got a funky phone number there if you want to do something like that there. <coughs> Wait a minute. His wrestling academy is in Queens. Wait a minute. This is in London? Was it in England or something? Hmm? Well, some other gun. It's in England. Hmm. Or I, that, it looks like England. Yeah. Queensway. Queensway. Hmm. Early, early. That, that's yeah. The way that 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 looks like to me, that that kind of looks like uh, yeah. So let me read the rest of the. See if you got the rest of the story down here. There's okay, there's no more story to that. So, but 
that, that that's it right there. Apparently, he has been named. His wrestling academy is the Global Development Center for TNA. How in the world? How in the world? You know they were able to. You know, get on get on for that. It's beyond me. I mean, it's with TNA with all this stuff going on. And we actually had someone come, had also we had another poll that I posted back on October the 12th about, 12th about would you actually like to see Raw versus SmackDown in, in traditional Survivor Series matches at this year's Survivor Series. And we still had six people that said yes, so believe it or not, this is, of course, it may not be, it may not make a difference, but one person actually said no. <laughs> but, but, uh, Uh, but like I said, uh, <clears throat> uh, but um, that's going to still ponder me about who who on the Raw roster is going to challenge Dolph for the IC belt. Now, what would that mean if that Raw superstar won the IC belt? Would they have to go to SmackDown, or would they bring the IC belt to Raw? I mean, what's your take on that, J.D.? Well, it'll be interesting to see uh, how uh, his uh, training school is going to go and who gets to sign up, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean... There's a lot of great, talented guys out there right now on the Raw roster that can go after that champion. They can go after a championship of that caliber. Um, who deserve an opportunity for a great championship like that. Yep. So. <clears throat> we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. Uh, um, any um, care to, like I said, uh, Care to, to add anything to what you said earlier, JD, about uh, about your thoughts on Hell in a Cell or Raw, or anything else for tonight? Nothing else that I can think of right now. <coughs> okay. Okay. okay, thank you very much, sir. John, anything else you wish to add, sir? Thank you very much, there, John. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you very much here uh, for coming in here, um, coming in here, uh, listening here to us tonight, episode 241 of the Mothership Broadcast, episode of U.S. Revolution, 1724-444-7444, call ID 138055-POUND. I do want to thank the Iceman, J.D. Jerry Duelno, for joining me here this evening. Of course, uh, <clears throat> uh, t- uh, tomorrow, of course, We'll have our triple threat Wednesday. I will be, um, I will be, of course, manning outside the ropes. Uh, he, due to a prior engagement, JD will not be 
be able to make it. Yes, and I'd like uh-huh. to say happy birthday to my father again. However, I've been saying it for the last few days. I will say it again. Well worth it. Happy birthday to him. Oh, absolutely. We, de- we definitely, uh, of course, on behalf of everyone in the radio network, we will definitely go right out there to your father as well. Absolutely. Indeed. Uh, <clears throat> also, we want to thank the Human Suppress Machine, John Gross, for doing the here, doing this here tonight. Uh, for, like I said, bringing us his resident history and birthdays, plus his takes on uh, uh, Hell in the Cell and Raw, as well as yours. JD, I do thank you for providing that here tonight. Uh, of course, sadly, we didn't get a chance to hear from King W.O. T. Smith or the Black Widow Michelle Lynn Dodds, probably that had some prior obligations. Uh, hopefully, tomorrow night we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get to hear those on the Wednesday edition of Revolution. Uh, but be, be sure to join us for all of our shows tomorrow uh, tomorrow evening. For like I said, start with Outside of the Road from 6.30 to 7.30. Uh, of course, call ID 241-387-POUND. And then, of course, the NWO Madness Kingdom uh, Wrestling Debate uh, from 8 to 9, of course, will be will take place. Of course, 139-925-POUND. One, <clears throat> one, I'll say it straight in a few minutes. And then, of course, tomorrow night, Wednesday edition of Revolution, of course, we'll give you our, our wrestling news and views of the day. Of course, our history and birthdays will come your way. And then, of course, uh, <clears throat> of course, give you our thoughts and thoughts and predictions. Uh, of course, uh, thoughts and uh, opinions about uh, tonight's SmackDown Live broadcast. Uh, some more general wrestling discussion. Hopefully, we'll get to talk to Gerard and Michelle tomorrow. Hopefully, that we can get their thoughts on Hell in the Cell and tonight and last night's Raw tomorrow as well as SmackDown tomorrow as well. Uh, you know, J.D., will you, make it at all? will you make it on the shows at all tomorrow? I will, t- <clears throat> excuse me, depends on what time I get, we, uh, have finished dinner, I should make it in time for the debate, and I will definitely be out of a revolution. But outside the ropes, like I said, I will not because of the prior obligation. Okay, that's no problem. I just want to make sure, so thank you very much there. So ladies and gentlemen, for the Iceman, Jared DiGiralmo, and the Human Suppress Machine, John Gross, this is Mr. WS Chad Henshaw. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you very much for joining us here this evening for uh, WS Revolution episode 241. And of course, for all of our shows on the radio network, the phone number, as always, is 1724 444 7444. Be sure to join us tomorrow evening, like I said, for our Triple Threat Wednesday. Start with Outside the Rubs at 6 30. Of course, call ID 1413 at 7 then wrestling debate from eight to nine, which is one three nine nine two five, and then of course revolution once again, which is one three eight oh five five pound. <clears throat> uh, revolution, of course, is a broadcast of the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoot.com, which, which is like I said, which of course we are one year older and continuing to be bolder. The radio network will continue to be and forever remain a wrestling connection. <clears throat> JD and John, take care. See you in the ring. And ladies and gentlemen, as always here in the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoot.com. God bless. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.